0: Thanks for joining the True West podcast with David Fichette, where David sits down with business leaders, artists, creatives, and champions of humanity to discuss their explorer's spirit. If your true north is your sense of purpose that drives you each day and that thing you'll be remembered for long after you're gone, we believe that your true west is your sense of adventure, your curiosity, and the thing that makes you turn your back to the sunrise and head into uncharted territories you'll hear stories of tenacity and courage that live inside each of us to follow our own path into the future we desire. We hope that you will be inspired to follow your True West today.
1: Welcome back to another episode of the True West podcast, brought to you by Go West Creative, coming to you live from the studio collection at Go West here in Nashville, Tennessee. Sitting in the studio with me today is a longtime business partner, co-collaborator, and dear friend and family member, I would say, Rick Borgia. Hey, Rick. Thanks Hello. for being here.
2: Hey. Hey, thanks look for... At this. Look at
1: us doing a podcast together.
2: Never would have thought that someday we would use all this amazing technology to let people hear what we have to say. <laughs> and I'm
1: sure they don't care. So, Rick, um, we have a very, very long history. You have been here with us at Go West for 36 years now.
2: Well... I've been with you mm. for 36 years. I mean, I think we need to clarify that because before there was Go West, mm-hmm. there was David and mm. what he wanted to do and uh, that I hitched my wagon onto before I was even 16 years old. It led to everything yeah, that so, came So,
1: Still same company, many different na- yeah. name name changes, but back then, yes, the name of the company was... <laughs> It's audio ecstasy. <laughs> yes, thank you. Very much. Ah, yes. Which was really awesome in the late 80s when people were doing 900 numbers late at <laughs> night. <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> so Rick, you are uh, this incredible, I, I refer to you as a Swiss army knife of a human being, right? You're a, a talented producer and show director and executive producer, but you are also this incredibly geeked out uh, tech nerd. And so you kind of lead us here at go west and all things technology and what's cool and what's coming up and so talk to me about this journey right because you and i met like you said when you're 15 years old doing theater together i was directing a a musical and you were cast in it but your path to showbiz to entertainment started much younger than that so tell me where did the the artistic the entertainment bug first get to you
2: well for me it's always been about learning what, what was needed what was the other of the show? What did you have in mind? What was your vision, and and what could I do to help bring that to life? I mean, for a young age, it starts out being just a sponge. You mm-hmm. know what? What am I capable of doing? Like, we need this to happen. We need this to light up, and we need this to sound this way. Okay, and what are the tools we have at our disposal? So I dove into that. Yes, using some of the what I learned at school, and but really, it's just what can I do with my hands? What can I How can I be clever and and put this together? And really, there are people that kind of brought me along the way that I absorbed skill set from. When you look at the technical side of things, everything that I claim to say I know about audio, I learned from Greg Burns. People who are not only skilled at what they do, but they're willing to teach. From a video standpoint, the foundation of my knowledge came from James Armstrong. God rest mm. his soul, but mm-hmm. I mean, I just listened and I learned all those little tricks and nuances for lighting. It was Todd Roberts and mm-hmm. Visions Lighting. I mean, it's all these partners throughout the years. Right. Um, I learned how to coil cables from John Trippney trip from SIR. Trip? Wow. Yeah. That's, that's a name. Wow. You remember that? Well done. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. we were, we were doing an event at Universal and SIR back then was, you know, a major supporter of what we were doing. And he saw the 16-year-old kid doing the arm over arm, rolling right. up an audio cable, right. and he pulled me aside and said, like, hey, don't do Did anyone ever teach you how to wrap a cable? I'm like, uh, no. He's like, you got to do the over-under thing. And he took time to show me, and I you know, picked it up. I'm like, oh, okay, I get this now. And I, I that became my thing. So for me, there's the technical side of, of right. it. There's the hands-on side of it, of, of making things happen, how to wrap velon around a pole, how to hang drape, the proper way to tape down a cable. Those are all things that you can learn and teach something. But what we've done together at Go West over the years is adding the theatrical element, mm-hmm. adding, and you were the one that really taught me that you can take that skill set and do something creative with it. And I couldn't tell you when that started with me. I just knew that The need for that was always there. Your first exposure to
1: theater or to performing—what age did that start? Because somewhere in the back of my brain, I I remember like a picture of you dressed as Elvis when you were like five years old or something like that. Is it? Am am I remembering that correctly?
2: (laughs) Well. Okay, so I come from uh, a Filipino family, which means that we're all singers. Mm. <laughs> we will all claim to be the best singers out there. My dad had a karaoke machine when I think I was five years old. This, the first karaoke machine in our house ran on eight-track tapes. Oh, wow. You know, and it had a little fold out lyric sheet. And so there was no fear of picking up a microphone and singing. So that was something I was kind of grew up with. Uh, My dad thought he was the Filipino Elvis. He probably still thinks that. And in some ways, it's true. Uh, But Elvis has always been a a big part of our repertoire in our life. And so, first grade talent show, which we all lip synced back then. parents said, well, why don't you do Elvis, do Hound Dog, get the guitar. And I said, okay, great. Well, my parents got so excited about it. They had the white jumpsuit custom made with the fringe and everything and the scarf. And then they put me out on stage to lip sync Hound Dog. And then there was another group that was doing a dance routine of Rock Around the Clock. And they had their own separate little thing. And the teacher said, well, why don't we just make you backup dancers for Rick? (laughs) There you go. There you go. So yeah, I think that that still exists in 8 millimeter tape and photos that have passed down (laughs) through the years. So yeah, that's where I think I first overcame my fear of getting up on stage. And then yeah, once it hit you, then you just kind of run with it. What do you like better? Do you like
1: being on stage or being behind stage?
2: Truthfully, I like being behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's part of getting into the the nitty-gritty and making the magic come to life. But I've had the benefit of, of, of you and other people in the company that know, okay, you know who'd be great at this? Let's put Rick <laughs> in right. on this. And then that's why occasionally you'll see me pop on screen to do the, the demo video for the platform right. or do an introduction video here or do, you know, quite often I'm the voice. That's the voiceover for a lot of things. Uh, I think I'm more effective behind the scenes, getting into the weeds of things, designing how things work, our technical design, routing everything, or being innovative on how we create a custom game show, things like that. On show site, more often than not, you'll either find me behind the scenes or at the tech table. On stage, that's a weapon you keep in your pocket. (laughs) Well, you're, you're so
1: eloquent the way you speak. I always love having you in the room with me when I'm presenting because you'll look at me and go, slow down. (laughs) You have this sense of confidence and calm, and you're a very patient person. You're far more patient than I am when explaining things to people, and so you're so good at that. But when we talk about you performing, I hearken back to Long Beach, California. And uh, Amway convention. <laughs> I know where this is going, right? Yeah. right. So, to tell the story about what that looked like when we we're producing the, the big Amway convention for whatever it was, network five, 21. Yeah, network 21 yeah. for five or 10,000 people in the Long Beach arena. And uh, you were actually on site to be an editor, editor, editor right. but.
2: Do tell that story. Okay, so, yeah, I mean, that was a great setup for that. So back in the day, a big component of what we always did at our live events is we we always pitched, hey, the on-site highlight video that we would take all of the footage and cut something together wonderful back then. These days, I mean, you could practically do it on your phone. Back then, I ended up getting the largest suite in the hotel because we had to roll in the big Avid Media Composer mm-hmm. system, mm-hmm. three racks of gear and all that. And so I'm there to get all the footage and edit the video. Well, somebody came up with this brilliant idea of, well, we need an icebreaker at the top of the show. And back then, the hot thing was the Macarena. The Macarena. That was, that's what they did. And this person decided, well, we gotta throw someone up on stage who's gonna put a head mic on and lead them all in the Macarena. So I got called up for that. So it was great. Put the head mic on. I'm out on the stage in front of five, ten thousand 10,000 people. And I... Pulled on my experience from the roots of our company as wedding DJs. Mm-hmm. That's where you overcome that fear and, and to get in front. And, and you talk about my ability to be eloquent and be a good public speaker. That's where that came from, is being able to MC a wedding and, you know, command attention and guide a, a group into that that party. So I get on stage. Next thing you know, I've got five, ten thousand 10,000 people doing the Macarena. Right. And then, you know, you give me a mic and you give me a stage and no fear, then now I'm animated on stage and getting going. So they have a great time. It's wonderful. I wrap it up on with the show. I get off the stage. I go back to the suite and I'm editing. And I think it was later that afternoon. What were you
1: wearing while you were editing? (laughs)
2: Later that afternoon, I I figure I'm in my room. I don't have to get on stage anymore. So I'm back in like boxers and a t-shirt and my bathrobe and I'm editing because I'm by myself. It's hours of just sifting through footage and then a call comes through the radio, Rick. We need you back on stage to do the Macarena. Nancy needs you on stage.
1: Nancy being Nancy Dornan, who's the owner of Network Twenty One. Very
2: sweet woman, and what Nancy gets, you know, what she <laughs> wants, she gets. And I said, okay, when do you need me up there? Now. <laughs> right. Put on your get get over. I, mean, I gotta get dressed, so I just threw on jeans, a little vest, I had the t-shirt on, and I ran across. Because I was in the hotel across from the Long Beach Convention Center, ran across the the parking lot, ran into the backstage, ran up to the stage. They already had the head mic waiting. They threw it in my head and threw me out on stage, went right back into it and and, and did it. And (laughs) the funny thing about it is then all of a sudden I get all this footage and now I have to edit me (laughs) into the highlight video. That was a fun experience. But truly,
1: when you think about it, <laughs> when you think if there's anything better than doing the Macarena, it's doing the Macarena twice. Twice, I right. Think, if you're going to do it once, you got to do it twice. Better. Yeah. So when you think about what we're at with the True West podcast, thinking about a time in your life or times in your life where you had to think of a creative way to get through a situation or to carve out your path in your career, uh, your sense of adventure, your sense of exploration, your sense of, Ooh, yeah, I don't know how we're going to do this, but you really had to think about it, either in business or in your personal life. Can you give us an example of a time where you felt like I hit a wall and I had to figure out a way, a creative way to, to get
2: around that? Back in, I want to say it was two thousand. Okay, we won three Spotlight Awards, right? Mm-hmm. First one, you took that home. Right. 2004? Four. Bent Producer of the Year. Yeah. And then I followed that. Right. Technical Producer of the Year. Yes. And then when I went on stage, part of my acceptance speech is I acknowledge the fact that for those of us in this industry, I say that we're the bravest people in the world because we wake up every day with the challenge of being just that much more creative and that much more innovative than the day before. Right. And that's our duty to our clients because we've all been to conferences, we do the same thing. How do we elevate that? And that challenge is still a day-to-day thing for me. And what I try to pass on to everyone in the company is you got to always set the bar higher than what you did the day before. And, and inevitably you're going to hit a wall because mm-hmm. like, how do I do this conference I've been doing for 15 years, what is the the next you know, what's what's new? How what's the new, new thing? What's yeah. the, the next step? Technology helps. The people that have come alongside us and supported us to create a product that we can put out there, like Steve Connell or you know the entertainment things mm-hmm. that you've done with the the openings and all that. For me, the technology side of things, it's like I'll even use this the example of this table that we're sitting at. Mm-hmm. You know, we had to. Uh, you know, we we were very fortunate to have a client fell in love with go west and realized that we had to say we want to do a podcast series i said great we've got a studio come on in come to nashville and they flew in and we originally designed you know i helped you design this to be a two-person podcast no we gotta have four people so we reinvent that and then i'm scheduled to come in here and i'm supposed to be here to produce this and flights get canceled they do and suddenly i can't be here Well, we adapt and we overcome. I call you, say my clients are coming in, what are we going to do? And you said, of course, what do you need me to do? Well, I need you to be the face. (laughs) You said, well, I could do that all day long. So you give the tour. But thankfully, the technology that we had built into the studio allowed for me to still have a presence here Mm -hmm. and still be able to be here. Um, Honestly, I think the thing that you always have to be mindful of is... What are the tools you have in your pocket? Right. And though you use them every day for what they're intended for, is there another way, another iteration, another use mm-hmm. case for what you have to accomplish your goal? Right. And so right. being that I'm a technology-bent person, what's a new way to use an LED panel? What's another way to light this set? What's another texture we can put on here to give it a different perspective? What is another way that we can configure the stage to give more interaction, to give more power behind a presenter to help drive their message to their audience. It's got to be about looking at every angle and every capability. And that goes beyond technology. It goes beyond our normal skill set. It also applies to the people that we work alongside and we work with. Uh, You've been very instrumental with with that with me is helping me tap into potential that I didn't know I have. Mm. I've been the strongest voice over the years saying I'm not a creative guy. I'm not creative. You guys yeah. are creative people. I'm just this guy that anybody's
1: ever been on Facebook during the Super Bowl or the Academy Awards <laughs> yeah. and watched your stream of comments, yeah. we know you're a creative guy.
2: Yeah. And there's creativity and there's a creativity in being clever. Mhm and making use of what you have. I, you mentioned on Facebook, you probably just saw the other day, that I, on a Friday night, I was looking, I'm like, honey, I, I want to build an outdoor kitchen. And I have an idea. And so she loved the idea, and outdoor kitchen, six, seven thousand dollars. And I said, no, I think I could do it for 500 bucks. I'm going to run to Home Depot real quick. Real quick. <laughs> real quick. Buy some wood, the next day I'm cutting and sawing, and by Sunday, I had this fully built out. It was really just about, having an idea and saying, I can make this happen. Right. And it's not going to be painful. It's not going to be expensive. And I'm grateful that I, I'm married to someone who doesn't always roll her eyes with my ideas. She's right. come to like say, okay, let's think about that.
1: Yeah, she's seen you be successful enough times with your crazy ideas yeah. that you yeah. actually able to bring through. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. But I think that's really it. You know, David, I think it, the idea is about changing your, your view. Look at something from a different angle. If you've always used something a certain way, how do you change what that is capable of with a variety of things, tapping into the potential of people, helping them discover what their potential is. Mm -hmm. If we did that every day, then our capabilities both as a company and as a, a, as a society are limitless. That's amazing.
1: Let me ask you one last question uh, before we go. You travel a lot. (laughs) You're on the road a lot. Obviously we, we have lots of work all around the country, all around the world and you're gone a lot, but you also have three beautiful young daughters. How do you figure out your how do you use your creativity, your curiosity, your what ifs? How do you figure out the way that you can still be the best dad you can be and be there? Because those kids love you and you're so wonderful with them. But what does that balancing act look like for you?
2: Uh if you'd asked me this You know, uh, if I had a family 20 years ago Mm. and I was trying to to juggle this, it would have been a lot more difficult. Technology has given us the ability to pick up the phone and see my daughter's face Mm. instantaneously and talk to her. So we live in a world now where it's not that far away. I remember 30, 40 years ago, you know, family living overseas in the Philippines when we would call them. It was always late at night. Right. And you had to scream into the phone because that's the only way you could hear each other you know 20 years later my sisters living overseas and FaceTime is slowly becoming a thing and suddenly we can chat and see each other in real time when my daughter was my first daughter was born my sister was on the iChat with us in the recovery room and we're seeing each other's kids right. now the other side of the world isn't on the other side of the world it's just a button away but the key thing is it's easy to fill your calendar it's easy to fill your time with calls and meetings i mean today was a perfect example of that But you have to commit to that. You have to commit to the time. Make it equally important. This call with this client is equally important as me connecting with my daughter and seeing how her day was. My kids started school this week. So I needed to find out how their day went. Who's in their classes? How are their teachers? Are they excited? Did they make new friends? And you ask those questions. Don't ask, how was your day?
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Ask, who did you meet today? Did anyone say anything funny to you? What did you wear? Did they like your new haircut? You got to have the conversation that's as great. if they were standing right in front of you. We fall too quickly into the pattern of a generic question. Good. Uh, yeah. How was your take? Good. Well, what was good about it? Everything. And, and generic. You ask yeah. a generic question, you're going to get a generic right. answer. Right. Ask specific questions. It's as if she's sitting right next to me. I mean, that. I think that's the start of it. But I made a commitment. You know, when I committed to being a husband and I committed to being a father and that doesn't lapse no matter what is on my plate. I mean, that's first. Right. You got you to do that first. That's awesome.
1: Well, my brother, I, uh, I appreciate you. I appreciate you being here with us uh, in town in Nashville, all the way from Los Angeles where you live. But more than that, I appreciate the uh, 36 years of you standing by my side in this company. So uh, <laughs> thanks so much, Rick, for being here.
2: Oh, Thanks for giving me a home. Thanks for helping me find my true west. That's right,
1: And thank you all for joining us here today for another episode of the true West podcast. Appreciate you stopping by and uh, remember, stay curious.
0: Thanks for joining the true West podcast. If you'd like more information on today's guest, please check below or see the episode notes until then stay curious.